This service happens to be one of my favorites of the entire year. And I think it kind of started when I was a kid because I knew that after the Christmas Eve service, we'd be going home, and in the not-too-distant future, we'd be able to open up all the gifts that were under the tree. And then as I've grown older, I have to admit that I'm not afraid to embrace nostalgia, and I love the traditional Christmas hymn, sometimes with a brand-new modern twist, of course. And I also love the fact that on almost every year so far, all of my family has been together. I think the other thing I've always loved about this service is the darkened room and the dim lights. It's the ambiance of the, the Christmas Eve service. You know, the dark room we have today reminds me of a Christmas Eve service that I helped organize and put together many years ago when I was an intern at a church. And the staff that year did everything we could to make this candlelight service as perfect as possible. Uh, we didn't have shades like we have here today, so we even went to great lengths to figure out a way to cover up all the windows so that street lights or headlights from passing cars wouldn't distract or detract from the atmosphere in the room. Everything was perfect until people started showing up. You see, at this particular church, there were two stairwells on either side in the back of the church that led up to the balcony. And we did such a great job of making it dark in that church that in this enclosed stairwell, you could see absolutely nothing. It was so dark that if you put your hand in front of your face, you couldn't see it. You didn't know if there was someone standing right next to you. And with people going up the stairs and down the stairs, there were literally people running into each other in the stairwell, in both of them. It was kind of like, you know, Christmas Eve meets Valley Scare, all, <laughs> all together, all in, in one shot. And... So there were people gathered in the sanctuary waiting for the peaceful, lovely, you know, beautiful Christmas Eve service to start. And while they're sitting there, they're listening to the, the muffled screams and grunts and groans of frightened people running into each other in the stairwells that were completely dark. And I think it's that Christmas that something became a little more clear to me that it's not really the darkness I enjoy about the Christmas Eve service. What I really, truly enjoy is that there is just the right amount of light. You see, darkness without any amount of light is not fun or enjoyable. It's, it's actually scary, right? But... Light changes everything. Light changes everything when you're in the dark. You know, the last couple years that we've experienced together as a nation, as a world, as a Christian community, it's been quite the couple years, hasn't it? And there's been times over the last couple years where I've had a really hard time to even express with words what I've been feeling about people or about the world or about my life. And, you know, as I was preparing for the message this Christmas, 
I came across a word that I think encompasses sometimes what I've been feeling about the world. It's that word. It's dark. You've seen this in other people, haven't you? And how difficult it is for people to get along or even to talk to each other civilly. We've seen darkness in the health concerns that continue to be in the news and in our lives all the time and seem never really to go away. And maybe, maybe they never will. We've seen it be dark um, emotionally as the heightened stress that all of us has experienced has then come out in anger, in worry, in depression, in fear, in frustration, in worry. We've seen it relationally as patience and forgiveness have been more hard to come by, I think, than ever before. Don't you think that's kind of an apropos word for the last couple of years? It's just kind of been dark. But let me remind you of something tonight. It's what I learned at a Christmas Eve service many years ago, that light changes everything when you're in the dark. And I want you to know that's why we're here. I want you to know that this is why we sing, despite whatever may be going on in your life. I want you to know this is why we celebrate at Christmas. I want to be clear. We're not here to celebrate a God who promises you that there won't be dark days or that there won't be dark years. In fact, if you ever visit a church or listen to a pastor that tells you that if you just have enough faith, your dark days will go away, I want you to run from that church and run from that pastor as fast as you can because it's a lie. That is not true. And it's not that God doesn't love us that there's dark days. It's, it's because there's sin in this world. God has never promised that there won't be darkness while we live in this world. But here's what he has promised, that there is light in the midst of the dark. And tonight, we're going to look at just two verses. Two verses about Jesus coming. And not two verses that were written by Luke, as was read earlier. We're going to look at just two verses that were written by one of Jesus' closest friends and one of his 12 disciples. His name was John. John, interestingly enough, wrote his biography of Jesus' life not while things were happening. He wrote it while he was a very old man. Some guess that he was probably in his 80s. He wrote it while he was in exile on an island in Patmos. And so why I bring that out is that as John writes all about Jesus, he's able to have the perspective that comes 
Well, only when you have the experience of life. And I want you to know something else about John. He knew what it was like to have dark days. From the very time he met Jesus to the end of his life, most of it was spent running from people who either wanted to get rid of him or wanted him dead. There was this dark day in John's life when he stood probably about 10 feet away from his best friend, his Savior Jesus, who was being brutally executed on a cross. Talk about dark days. John lived during a time where the, the glorious nation of Israel had been taken over and was in charge of by the Roman government. It was no longer glorious, Israel. And then, something that you may not know, but in about 70 AD, John was alive to watch the Romans decide to invade Jerusalem. And while they were there, they destroyed the most sacred place in the Jewish faith, the temple. And it still has not been rebuilt. When, when John writes his biography of Jesus' life, guess what the reality is? He's the only disciple left. All the rest have died. Most of them have been executed for their faith. And as he looks back on his life, as he thinks about how to start the biography of Jesus, he doesn't start with how it happened. He let Luke do that. Instead, he starts with why. He starts with the significance of Jesus' coming. Here's what he says in John chapter 1, verse 4. John writes, In him, in Jesus, was life, real life, true life, eternal life. And that life, the best way he could describe it was that it was the light of all mankind. John had experienced dark days. He was at the end of his life as he looked back on a life filled with dark days and the word that he wanted to use to describe Jesus and his coming was the same word that Isaiah used 700 years before Jesus was born. It's the word light, that Jesus was a light. And he continues, verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not. And if you were John... How might you complete that? The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not gone away. I'm in exile on Patmos. The darkness has not ceased to exist. It's still around, worse than ever. Christians are being persecuted and executed by the Roman government by the hundreds and the thousands. How would John complete that sentence? Well, before I tell you the word he uses. Let me tell you something else John experienced. I told you how he stood within yards of the cross to watch his, his friend and Savior Jesus die. 
the Jews had been trying to get rid of Jesus for a while. The Romans ended up teaming up with them to have Jesus crucified. And it looked like the darkness had won. And then some of you know this. On the third day, John sees Jesus with his own eyes because the grave could not hold Jesus. And he hugged Jesus and he touched Jesus' hands and he ate breakfast with Jesus on a beach near the Sea of Galilee. And in that moment, he saw a light that could not get snuffed out no matter how dark it got. And so when John decides to write about that light in the midst of the darkness, he writes, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is a light that nothing can overcome. And John in his old age, in his 80s, looking back on it, he recognizes the difference that light made for him in the midst of hundreds of dark days. And the other thing is, Nothing can put that light out. So 2,000 years later, let me ask you this question. What difference does that light make for you? Because as we talked about Darkness still exists. There are still dark days and dark years. And let's, let's be real, these dark days, they started a lot earlier than just two years ago. And there's not only darkness around us, but <laughs> if, if we were to be honest, there's, there's darkness right in here, too. Am I the only one who's been surprised about some of the things that I've felt or thought or said? Because I've had a hard time navigating all that we've been navigating. There, there's a darkness of sin in me, and I'm sure you can relate as well. And when there's darkness, do you know what the overriding fear, <laughs> the overriding emotion is? When it's a dark room or a dark stairwell, or maybe you're outside walking through the forest and it's dark, the emotion that we so often feel is the one I shared just a moment ago. <laughs> it's fear. And, you know, I think this is the reason why it's been so hard for people to get along. Why we've been so stressed out and frustrated and anxious at, at the heart of it. There's been dark days, and we've been afraid. We've been fearful of people taking something from us, or our lives changing, or the freedoms being taken away, or finances changing. There, there's fear. When it's dark, the overriding emotion that people feel is fear. But when there's light, 
when there's light, things change. When there's even just a little bit of light in a dark room, the fear begins to leave and it can even be beautiful with the right light, even in a dark room. Because darkness brings fear. But what does light do? Light brings peace in the darkness. And that's what God offers you tonight. He doesn't offer you peace from your circumstances. He offers you peace in the midst of your circumstances. That no matter how dark your days get, that at Christmas we celebrate and John recalls that there was a light that came into the world. And with that light, there came peace. So what does that mean specifically? Well, first of all, I want you to know that with this light, you can have peace because you're not alone. Even if tonight, when you put your head down on the pillow, you're the only one in the house, you are not alone. Because at Christmas, God was showing his faithfulness to this promise of a savior that thousands of years later, he fulfilled that promise, just like he had said, and he still fulfills his promises. And when he tells you that I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, I am always with you, there's a peace knowing that everywhere we go, no matter how hard it gets, I, I've got light with me. And the other thing, the peace it gives is that you know that you are at peace with God. See, here's something I know about every single person in this room. There has been a time in your life where you've wrestled with the big things of God. Who is he? How does he feel about me? Are things okay between me and him? And Christmas is the continuation of God's salvation plan because we don't tonight just celebrate a baby that was born. We remember a sacrifice that was given and a payment so that baby grown into a man gave up his life so that that guilt you have, he paid for that. You don't need to carry it so that you might have peace even when the person you love the most in this earth is called home to heaven. You can have peace. 
And someday, unless Jesus returns first, someday our time will come. And I want you to know in that moment, I want you to think back, if you can, to this service and remember that in that moment, there's light with you. In the midst of the darkness of sin, and you can be at peace because you are at peace with God. In just a few moments, we're going to close with a couple familiar Christmas hymns, Oh Holy Night and Silent Night. And I'm wondering how closely you've ever thought about the lyrics to Silent Night. It goes, Silent Night, Holy Night, all is calm. Really? You know what happened that night? There was a baby born. I don't know what labor and delivery room you've been in where all is calm. Like, yeah, it's a very calm night. We just had a baby, you know? And then you add on top of that all the circumstances of traveling far from their home, Mary and Joseph did, and no place to stay. And then they find a stable and Joseph's got to figure it out and move straw and shovel manure and shoe sheep and, you know, why am I worried about Joseph? Mary's the one that's pregnant. She's in labor. And there's, there's no beautiful labor and delivery suite for Mary and the Son of God. There's no heart monitors or epidurals or nurses or doctors. Mary's not calm. Did I, did I tell you she's in labor? And Joseph, he's not calm. He's playing the part of an encouraging husband, sheep herder, and labor and delivery doctor, okay? And yet, find a little bit of comfort in the reality of Christmas because that looks more like my life, I don't know about you, than all is calm and all is bright. And yet, when in just a moment we have a chance to sing that hymn, I want you to know that all is calm, not because the circumstances of the first Christmas were and not because everything in your life is perfect. But all is calm in here, or can be. Because what we celebrate tonight, in the midst of the most dark days that you might be experiencing, and the John did, is a light. A light that came to bring peace, even in the midst of the darkness. Just like Isaiah promised, on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for your love for us, that you would send your son to become a human being and to die death in our place so that we might have a relationship with you and live with you forever. 
Lord, I pray that for those of us here tonight or online that are hearing about this peace for the first time, that they might understand a little bit better the difference it makes of knowing that we have a savior from sin. And for those of us who have heard this message before, just pray that you would instill in us and renew in us an understanding of what that means for us each and every day. To that end, Lord, we thank you for your love and your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.